Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com, teaching kids to hack elections. We've got that story plus more arrests in the Nexium cult. But first, back on July 15th, Vanessa Bealey wrote an article titled White Helmet Exodus Managed by Regime Change Coalition. Interestingly enough, somehow she miraculously predicted the future a week later, exactly on July 22nd. Reuters would more officially report white helmets flee to Jordan with Israeli and Western help. Hundreds of Syrian white helmet rescue workers and their families fled advancing government forces and slipped over the border into Jordan with the help of Israeli soldiers and Western powers. Netanyahu said in a brief video statement on Sunday he had helped the evacuation at the request of, of course, Trump and Trudeau. The Oscar-winning group, officially known as the Syria Civil Defense, has been widely hailed in the West and credited with saving thousands of people in rebel-held areas during years of bombing attacks by Damascus and its allies. A Jordanian government source said 422 people were brought from Syria over the Israeli-occupied Golan Heights frontier and into Jordan, down from a figure of 800 that was announced earlier by the foreign ministry in Amman. The evacuees will be kept in a closed location in Jordan and then resettled in Britain, Germany, and Canada within three months, they say. A second non-Jordanian source familiar with the agreement said the original plan had been to evacuate 800 people, but only 422 made it out as operations were hampered by government checkpoints and the expansion of Islamic State in the area. Russia's embassy in the Netherlands welcomed the White Helmet's departure. They tweeted, quote, Definitely there will be less chances of new so-called chemical weapons attacks in Syria after forced evacuation by the collective West of the notorious White Helmets. James? What an interesting story on so many levels. I mean, the White Helmets are being evacuated by who again? Oh, Israel. Right, of course, in conjunction with Jordan. But where are they going? Oh, of course, Germany and Britain and Canada. What a crazy story. And actually, some more little truth nuggets dropped into The Guardian's reporting on this, of all places, where they note that... uh, Uh, talking about that revised downward figure from initially talking about 800 being evacuated to 422, says the the figure was revised downwards by James LeMessurier, a former MI5 officer who was considered to have founded the group in Turkey in 2013. That's coming from The Guardian at this point, after their slurring propaganda pieces about, uh, oh, these crazy conspiracy theorists talking about the White Helmets. Well, now they're admitting the real origins of the White Helmets and uh, at least gesturing towards what this group is really about. Of course, you're not going to find the full story in The Guardian. You're going to find it in places like episode 330 of The Corporate Report. The White Helmets are a propaganda construct, so I'll throw that in the links in case people haven't seen that. And uh, unfortunately, this is not necessarily a, well, good, we can celebrate because at least the false flaggers are gone and we'll have less chances of those types of false flag chemical incidents in Syria. That may be the case, but uh, as uh, one of my conversations with Vanessa Bealey talked about, we talked about the fact that, no, they're going to franchise this White Helmets idea, this idea of using the the valiant first responders as the actual, you know, false flag terrorist insurgency groups in any number of target countries. And James LeMessurier has been on a tour, a world tour, uh, sussing out other places 
to potentially bring this idea. So this is not necessarily the end of the story, but it is an interesting little denouement that's happening right now. And uh, again, even little, even places like The Guardian are giving out little nuggets of truth that they steadfastly withheld from the public for a very long time. We'll include, of course, those in the show notes. And James, I got a, a sort of semi-related story and perhaps an epic case of burying the lead. Israel declares itself apartheid state. But Knesset passed a controversial bill, 62 to 55, that officially defines Israel as the national homeland of the Jewish people and asserts that, quote, the realization of the right to national self-determination in Israel is unique to the Jewish people, end quote. So, James, this is the only change, perhaps, that they actually put it in writing? Yeah, I think that's uh, <laughs> that's the argument, isn't it? But it is in writing now, and it's in law. So there you go. It's now official. All right, our second story on this New World Next Week, episode 348 for July 26th, is a story I actually covered briefly on My Morning Monarchy earlier this week, but I think it's actually really interesting, and I think it's kind of ready for, for prime time here on New World Next Week. DEFCON event aims to safeguard elections by teaching kids how to hack them. Hackers plan to teach children how to break into state election results websites, hosting a workshop in Las Vegas to demonstrate states' vulnerabilities and foster civic engagement among hacking-minded youth. The workshop, part of next month's massive DEF CON hacking conference, the annual conference, will offer children ages 5 to 16, quote, the opportunity to hack into exact replicas of the Secretary of State election results websites for the 13 presidential election battleground states changing the vote tallies and thus the election results, end quote, organizers said in a memo describing the event. It comes amid increasing concerns about Russia's cyber attacks in the 2016 election, you know, those crappy Facebook ads, and also about the vulnerability of states' election systems. In a survey of all 50 states, Politico reported this week that few states were taking steps to improve safeguards to their systems before the big November selection. Calling the workshop the perfect opportunity to demonstrate that even kids with basic computer skills can infiltrate states' websites. Jake Braun is helping to oversee the event, said that organizers would give kids prizes based on their speed and ingenuity and their hacking of results websites, as well as a prize for, quote, the best social engineering idea on how to really F with the public, end quote. Jake Braun Oh, what a surprise. A White House liaison to the Department of Homeland Security under the man commonly referred to as President Barack Obama and an executive director of the Cyber Policy Initiative at the University of Chicagoland said, quote, it's so easy to hack a website that to make it challenging, we had to give it to children to do. DEFCON 26 is August 9th through the 12th at Caesars Palace in Flamingo Hotels in Las Vegas. James, this was new news to you, and we were kind of chatting about this a little bit before we, we started rolling. What do you think of this? Uh, I think this is ominous, really, and not because I'm afraid of hackers, you know, stealing this election so much as I'm afraid of what uh, the real plan with all of this talk about election hacking and all of this is is going to be. And the paragraph that jumped out to me from here was a couple paragraphs down from that one that you read. After targeting voting machines last year, organizers said DEFCON hackers breached every voting machine they tried to hack. Braun asked, can you imagine if in 2020 Florida and, Florida and Ohio's websites are down, but certain media outlets have announced that certain candidates have won. It would be chaos. It would be absolute pandemonium. 
Yes, yes, I suppose it would be, wouldn't it? Especially in today's political climate. And that's the point, isn't it? Chaos, pandemonium. They're throwing these words in your face as the purge starts to ramp up. And I don't like where this is heading because this seems to me like a very, very likely vector for a false flag, a virtual flag in this case, of course, um, where, again, you know, no one will ever really be able to get to the bottom of who was doing what to whom, and they could blame it on the Russians if they want, they could blame it on Trump supporters if they want, they could do whatever they want to say, oh, this person hacked this, or Trump could come out and say, yeah, it was the Russians hacking to make the Democrats win. I mean, there are, at, at this point, is anyone at all going to put any faith in the selection process? I mean, maybe that's the bright spot in this. Maybe it will completely undermine the entire concept of selection so that people won't trust anything that results from it, which actually might get us somewhere. But um, on a slightly lighter note, the story also reminds me of uh, way back a decade ago when The Onion used to be actually funny when they had that video, Diebold accidentally leaks results of 08 election. Which, hey, maybe that might happen this time, huh? Well, and of course, the onion's not so good anymore since satire's completely dead here in this 21st century. James, it's actually Webster Tarpley that coined that phrase actually many, many, many years ago, virtual flag terrorism. And we know from Bev Harris's work that it's just another sort of black box election. So we've got the midterm elections coming up here in the States coming up this November that I imagine will be some sort of precursor or prequel, if you will, to whatever shenanigans is coming up in 2020. <sighs> Our third and final story this week on New World Next Week takes us into a little more of a media monarchy area. Seagram's heirs among four more arrested in the case against alleged sex cult Nexium. Federal agents arrested and charged four more people yesterday for their roles in the alleged sex cult Nexium, N-X-I-V-M, pronounced Nexium. In addition to the high-profile indictments of Nexium's founder, Keith Raniere, and former Smallville TV actress Allison Mack back in April, charges have now been brought against the group's co-founder, Nancy Salzman, her daughter Lauren, and also Kathy Russell, the group's longtime bookkeeper. Very interesting to me is that Nexium's operations director, Claire Bronfman, was arrested and charged on Tuesday as well. She is heir to part of the Seagram's Liquor Empire and one of those last names that whenever you see it in the news, you always kind of want to watch what they're into. The indictments charges the six arrested with extortion, forced labor, sex trafficking, wire fraud, obstruction of justice, identity theft, and harboring of aliens for financial gain. It also alleges the parties used harassment, coercion, and abusive litigation to intimidate and attack perceived enemies and critics of Ranieri. Nexium is described in the indictment as a pyramid-structured organization, and the unsealing of the indictment is a massive development in the case against Ranieri's organization. The shadowy group, which first kind of built itself as a self-help organization, as they all do, came into the public eye after a series of investigations led to the arrest of Ranieri and Mac for allegedly coercing women into joining the secret group as slaves who were expected to have sex with Ranieri, the master. The women who were joined, they were literally branded with Ranieri's initials, forced to sexually pleasure him and perform free labor. The Albany Times Union is the main newspaper that has pretty much done the work on Nexium, not only in the short term, but actually in the long term. They first published an investigative series on Nexium 
back in 2012 called Secrets of Nexium, but it wasn't until fall of 2017 that more reporting caused the group founder to flee the country to Mexico, which of course is always a big sign that the bricks are starting to fall. James? Yeah, I have been following this story uh, from a distance here for uh, a while, but and I just uh, included uh, Jason Burmis's breakdown of the story in my recommended viewing in my most recent newsletter, but I haven't really rolled up my sleeves on this and gotten into the nitty-gritty details, but considering this hits every single Media Monarchy button there is, <laughs> I know you've been covering it uh, quite a bit. Tell us about your own coverage of this. Well, it was it was last fall that I that I started to cover the story, and it was, in, in a lot of ways another kind of immediately initially mundane story so uh, what i basically do each day of the week i kind of go into different areas technology or environment and on thursdays i go into weird stuff so it was just kind of another weird thursday story about a cult's offices that had gotten raided and then as the next week went by and the week went by it kind of started to build and build and build so if you remember last fall all these other stories kind of started to pop so i my take is that Nexium, I think, is connected at least in sort of spirit to Weinstein, to Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain and former New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, who resigned in disgrace. It is for sure connected to the Clinton Global Initiative and Congress critters like current New York Senator Kristen Gillibrand. Of course, bringing to mind former New York senators. There's also the Morrison Gwendolyn Caffritz Foundation, which had a second-in-command at Nexium, and they funded some of James Alephantis's art projects. So that is all the elements of a media monarchy story. James, I'll include some of those, of course, in the related notes and give a link just to every instance of Nexium in the media monarchy archives. And, of course, we'll continue to follow the story. As I like to say at the end of these episodes, I stream news, music, memes, and more Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Pacific time at MediaMonarchy.com slash listen. James. That's right. And I'm here whenever I'm here. So I hope you'll tune in to CorbettReport.com too. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. James, talk to you again next week. All right, buddy. Take care.